Is it too late in the year to still be saying Happy New Year? Not at all, Brett. When's that cutoff, though? Happy New Year. Because I feel like I would still be saying it like well into February. I mean, I believe that you can keep your Christmas decorations up until MLK Day. Are you one of those that you just sort of like will leave the decorations up but change the theme of them? So like the lights get decorated with spider webs because it's october believe it or not I bales pass, of hay because it's thanksgiving i passed a house the other day that was still halloween i was like now that's fucked like Excuse you went me? out of your way to like decorate for halloween but not enough out of your way to take them down or decorate for christmas though i will say in, in my neighborhood you know it went viral on tiktok this year that like 250 dollar giant skeleton that everybody just had in their front yard this oh, yeah. year somebody left it up through christmas uh-huh. and just adorned it with a santa hat and put a bag over its shoulder oh Oh, I love that. So that was creative. That's very creative. Points for that. Did you have a good New Year's Eve? It was great. What'd you do? It was so chill. We watched, what's that movie? Army of the Dead, the Zack Snyder movie, the zombie in Vegas movie. Oh, so glad I wasn't there. Fantastic. <laughs> it's I'm so, so gory. over it's the camp. zombie plot. What did I watch recently? And I was like, wait, this is zombies? Oh, it was, I guess, Bones and All, which I've already criticized on this podcast. That's zombies? I thought that was Well, they're not cannibals. zombies, but they are cannibals. And to me, that's just like kind of a, it's not a far cry from zombies. Okay, yeah, true. In my opinion. You eat a brain, you wake up a zombie. Do you want to hear about my New Year's Eve? You looked amazing, by the way. Thank you so much. In your LBD hair teased to the gods to the gods they put on red under eyeliner that's right thank you for noticing i uh you know i i always like to say i'm not photogenic (laughs) says who but i think one in every ten thousand photos of me really and the question it begs the question of like well it begs multiple questions for me but like i did go to a new year's eve party looking Mm -hmm. snatched to the gods and you know i was like who knows who will i meet maybe someone else will be available single you know at this new year's eve maybe we'll share a kiss maybe what are you doing new year's eve that's right and i thought it was gonna be 70s themed okay disco fun so i kind of dressed for that Uh was not 70s themed disco nobody honored no but my friend showed up in a three-piece tuxedo and I thought that was hilarious. Okay, work. <laughs> Get to this party. It's a small soiree. Don't know anybody. Off the bat, that's a great recipe for stories for the pod. Right? I'm just remembering Thanksgiving. I, yes, I love, I, I really love not knowing anyone. That could be intimacy avoidance at its best, but I love showing up to a party and just knowing that like no one here will ever know me possibly. Or at least Fun. no one here knows me. Yeah, go, no preconceived notions. And you I get did, to be whoever you want. And if the crowd was going to be like bad, because uh-huh. I've been to some parties in LA that where like the crowd is like very stilted and does not give you anything there's no reciprocal sort of interest in like who you are mm-hmm. i was like if it's that kind of crowd i went in with a full story of who i was gonna be i mean that was my next question is like when you're in a group setting and you don't know anybody what's your go-to that you tell people i do this so on this night i didn't really have in mind like what i do well actually i was gonna say that i was a screenwriter and if they asked like what i wrote i was gonna be like did you ever see schindler's list <laughs> oh my I work a lot with Steve, so, but you you know, it's here and there, it's spotty. I'm I'm still working on my latest uh, project, but hoping to get it together with Martin one of these days. Anyway. Oh, Marty. But really what I wanted to, like, my big story, basically I came with two couples and this guy. And so from, you know, an outsider's perspective, it would look like I'm with this guy. Mm -hmm. But the truth is I would never have sex with this guy. Like, he's he's my friend, but he's a fucking dog. And (laughs) I love him, but I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. So. So I was thinking I would I was going to go into this being like, yeah, well, you know, just talking to like some random stranger that I've never met before being like, well, you know, uh, we started trying for a kid during the pandemic. Yeah. And then on Monday, I mean, this might be an overshare, but on Monday, he says he wants to open up the relationship. And I'm just like, what do I do with that? Do I even have a choice? So here I am like, I guess we're in an open relation. I guess. I mean, are we? And then I just like, that's my, that's how then I that's end your up. Intimate that's your intimate people. That's out with whoever I'm talking to. Amazing. And I'm like, you want to make him jealous? And I just go like full chaos mode. That is amazing. It, it, I really, I think the delivery is just so. And the Academy Award goes to. Moi. Yeah. At New Year's Eve. But so actually the crowd was really great and I didn't have to go revert to my lies. However, I, I did kiss the hound <gasps> at midnight, ironically, because everyone around us was kissing and I was just like, ah, oh, get me Why not? you. Yeah. It was, there was no tongue. It was very tight lipped and just like, it was funny. It was really funny. And I had a couple glasses of champagne and, you know, I usually don't drink. And there was a part of me that was going, oh, like, 
if this sets the tone, you know, people are very superstitious about New Year's right. and like setting the tone right. And like I'm all about intentional. Mm-hmm. But to me, New Year's Eve is really symbolic and like I can imbue intention into the day after New Year's yeah. if I want and every day after that. So yeah, I was intention like, is literally daily. Like yeah. it's silly. Like there I, is no New Year. I honestly don't go into a New Year even setting a, a resolution because I'm like, that's pointless. I'm just going to live in a way that I know I'm going to honor rather than arbitrarily set some goal that really I might only be doing because society is like telling me I should. Yeah, I'll figure it out as I go. Like New I'm, Year, say me, but I'm still growing. That's totally. how I approach it. Yeah, I was like, you know what? If I figure out what my resolution is on the third, that's fine. Great. And, you know, just because I'm getting a little like boozy and taking some mushrooms on New Year's Eve Sounds doesn't like mean that that's going to start be... the year, honestly. I, I mean, definitely different. I love porcinis and portobellos. Yes, I love a shiitake or a cremini or an oyster. My favorite is the hen of the woods. So out of everybody that was there, since you went in not knowing anybody aside from the people you showed up with, who would you say was the most interesting or had the best stories to tell? Okay. It's going to be an interesting answer. Okay. Because the person who had the best stories to tell also was kind of the most tight-lipped. And so, you know, I'm getting to know everyone. Everyone's great. Just good vibes all Uh around. I feel like it's always hardest to get to know the host of any party because they're like in host mode. Yeah. And they're everywhere. Yes. And so, but I did get to know the host a little bit. I wouldn't say I really got to know them. They didn't really get to know me, but I I spoke to them. Mm -hmm. And the host happened to be, drum roll, Brad Pitt. (laughs) Fresh off his bullet train journey. I don't know how that ended, actually. Oh, I know someone else who started that movie, but didn't finish. Not for any reason. To I just me, I'm just like, I already saw it. Snowpiercer. Right. And to me, that's the only bullet train story I care for. It was not Did actually... you talk to Brad about the three-body problem? <laughs> I didn't because oh. it wasn't Brad's party. Oh. But it was actually hosted by a pilot Okay. for the U.S. Marines. <gasps> Semper Fi, God baby. God bless America. Um, so... Okay, and T? So, and I was like, oh my God, you're a pilot. You're, you were a pilot for the Marines. And he was actually the stunt pilot on Top Gun Maverick. Oh, Where sick. he met his girlfriend, who was like one of the leads in Top Gun Maverick, who was co-hosting this party. I bet that pays so well to be a stunt pilot. Yeah, I wonder what the day rate is. I mean... What, 25 grand? You think that low? How much? I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's the floor, not the ceiling. It's just a day. Who I don't knows? know. <laughs> Well, their apartment was nice. And it was funny because like I was guessing what everyone does. And so when it got to him, they were like, well, I'll give you a clue. Like he gets high for a living. And I was like, oh, you're in the cannabis business. Naturally. Yeah. And that was wrong. And he wasn't in the industry, the Hollywood, you know, mobile. So I was like, what could it be? And then I look around and there was model airplanes and shit. Okay. Of, like fighter jets. Okay. And I was like, oh, you're a pilot. And he was like, yeah. So he used to be in the Marines. Now he still flies for the Marines like a day or two of the week. Like in the, the reserve? Of- yes. Got it. And and then the rest of the time, he flies for FedEx, like commercial shipping. You oh, ever okay. wonder how your package gets to you? Fighter pilot. He's doing it. Fighter pilot. So I was like, naturally, my first question was... Have you seen the UFOs? Yes! So I was like, what aerial phenomena have you seen? And like, what do you have to say about it? Seems like he was... Well, you tell me. I asked him, have you seen any mysterious, unexplainable aerial phenomena in uh-huh. your time as a pilot? And he's like, well, you know, uh, yeah, I've, I have very, very respected friends in the industry who have, you know, reported seeing things. Okay. And they're not tinfoil hat people, if you know what I mean. I'm like, got it, got it. What about you? He's like, I mean, you know, things show up on the radar, but in, in my opinion, the radar is so advanced that at this point it can create data you know what i mean like it's just too sensitive sensitive that it can create he's like i think it's just air pockets that's a fair assessment totally he's very skeptical Uh uh-huh which i think is healthy healthy skepticism but i'm looking for something more so i'm like okay well what kind of radar is Uh it he's like i can't tell you that i was like really man that's classified radar just fucking radar but i'm not gonna go get it (laughs) but like he's like i would go to prison for a very long time like that's classified i was like how much classified information do you know He's like, a lot. I was like, okay, answer me this. He's like, I won't. I was like, wait, but, and he was like, I will not answer. I was like, just one question. Just hear me out. I was like, did anything you learned when they disclosed it to you, any of that classified information, did any of it make you just go, oh, no, really? That's all I wanted to know. 
No. And he says, Not really. What? And I'm like, okay, either he's lying or all the classified information is really just like technology that like is boring not out yet. stuff. Yeah. You know, nothing. I guess it really is need to know basis. I don't know. I follow I follow a former CIA officer on TikTok who openly talks about what she can from her time serving in the CIA. And one of the questions she received that she answered to was something along the lines of, if Americans knew all that you knew while you were working for the CIA, would it make them feel more secure existing or would it be more scary knowing what you know? And she said, not scary, terrifying. No, but she wouldn't allude to why. Well, she was citing just specifically on any given day, like for example, a terrorist attack, like if it's successful and we hear about it on the news, that's the one attack out of probably thousands that any three-letter agency a day is dealing with that like carry credible weight to them. Wow. So the threats are all, like no matter what country, where you are in the world, the threats are always real. It's just that we only hear about the very very, very few that are actually successful. Damn. That's why I don't have the app. What is it called? Criminal? Citizen, <laughs> but Citizen. basically criminal, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know at all what I don't need to know. Ignorance is bliss, baby. Absolutely. I don't want to know what crimes are being committed around me, how often. Like, that does not interest me at all. I'd rather just live in stupid-ass harmony. Well, not to take away some of that ignorance from you, but did you see the video this past week from the former CIA officer named John Ramirez? that was making the rounds on all platforms. Was this about the 2027 prophecy? It was about the 2027 prophecy. Have you heard about this? I think I saw it, but I can't regurgitate what I saw. So please do me the honor. So in an interview, former CIA officer John Ramirez is talking about, and who knows, it stands to be seen, that in the year 2027, that is when... Oh, right. Aliens will reveal themselves Yeah, I was almost going to say when humans make contact, but rather that's the year that an alien race will make themselves known to humanity. Obsessed with that. He said in the interview, and I'm quoting him here, I would say I've heard 2027 in kind of an official capacity that I can reveal. I think I would say that people in the government are aware of something happening and that there's limited time, a few more years to prepare people. And that's what's ramping up this acceleration from the previous seven decades of not acknowledging it to now acknowledging it at a faster and faster pace. And, you know, the Washington Post. We love the Amazon Washington Post. (laughs) The the Washington Prime published an article just this week that was no alien life discovered on Earth, Pentagon says. Interesting. But search deepens. And, you know, even though they're saying, you know, no alien life discovered on Earth, this is still an article priming the American mind for more discussion about alien life in the mainstream media. Like, that's big. For the past six months, UFO and UAP and alien and extraterrestrial have been trending on Twitter. Twitter nearly every day. And that's not just because of our search history. No, it's in it's in the collective consciousness at this point. And I mean, as of, I believe it was May of last year, Congress held the first of the new hearings on UAP on Capitol Hill. And that's really the first meaningful hearings since the ending of Project Blue Book. And what was that thing in Vegas? Fresh off the heels of the former CIA officer going insanely viral, talking about the year 2027 being the year that aliens are like, hi, take hi. us to your leader. There was a video that went viral on TikTok from Vegas over the past week where it happened at the Sapphire Gentleman's Club Ooh. and the video starts like very point of view selfie facing and the guy's talking to camera saying like we're here every night like maybe he works there I'm not entirely sure <laughs> here every night maybe he just likes the french fries I don't know so he says we're here every night you know how in Vegas like specifically at the Luxor the pyramid they have that yes. massive beam. like laser beam that just shoots straight from the tip of the pyramid yeah over the top of this gentleman's club there there were the normal lights, like spotlights coming together, forming in the center, but there was something else hiding behind the cloud cover that had a red light happening. And it was just hovering. And hovering, not displacing any of the clouds, not making any noise, just like up there, visible. When the guys from the inside of the club make their way outside to the point where they can point the camera up and look at the sky and see that there's a light there, as the lights of the club raise and meet at their point straight above the ceiling, it reflects off of something. But it's not a drone. It's not a drone. It was big. It looked really big. And wow. so at this point, it's been reported on by CBS, ABC, oh, NBC, in CNN. It's everywhere in the mainstream oh, I need to look consciousness at now at this point. I mean, talk about aliens revealing themselves at the Gentleman's Club. I mean, aliens only want one thing and it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> girls, girls, girls. It's something that I thought interesting. A meteorologist of the National Weather Service in Las Vegas went on record saying that they believed it was a 
phenomenon called light pillars, which is a like a rare weather atmospheric phenomenon that happens when light just shoots through the sky in like a straight, relatively straight line appearing as a pillar. And I thought that was interesting. As like a theory. As a theory, because in the video, it looks like there's something solid. It's reminding me it's giving Oumuamua. Oh my God, our, our interstellar visitor, Oumuamua. That Harvard astronomer, Avi Loeb, believes is alien trash. Some kind of a scout or potentially a probe or even discard, yeah. And a lot of scientists really will do anything to dismiss that and, you know, prove that this is like some naturally occurring phenomenon that we've never seen before. And it just reminds me of what you're saying. It's like, I'm all for agnosticism and skepticism, but, you know, Avi Loeb is a Harvard scientist with good reason, good, solid reasoning behind why he thinks that that might be alien, extraterrestrial space trash. Like, yes. Having to do with one, the rate at which it's moving relative to like other things that is like never seen before. It doesn't have like a trail, the shape of it. Yeah. It's very rare. We see things in space that aren't round. Spherical. This yeah. thing is like cigar shaped. Mm-hmm. It's freaking interesting. Anyway. Yeah. And you know, also going back to what you were saying about the 2027 prophecy, I was looking into that and I came across a 2002 article from Wired Magazine okay. called SETI colon, which we know means search for extraterrestrial intelligence, mm-hmm. SETI colon, will find alien by 2027. This was written in, in 2002? 2002. Okay. And basically it's just about how an astronomer with the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Institute says that new technologies will help locate an extraterrestrial in the next 25 years. Wonder where they got that number from. Right? Interesting. I mean, in the article, it makes it sound like 25 years is is just sort of such a, a long time well no and they kind of make it sound like it's a maybe arbitrary like a guesstimate you Got know it. like given given what our technology is capable given how quickly we're able to like look at data and how many different radio frequencies we're going to be monitoring and for how long 25 years seems like the appropriate amount of time until it's inevitable that yeah, we right. find something but a lot of what was found was what they said not so much et more at Got it. In terms of signals. Yes. So a lot of human-made stuff. Because we generate so much noise by way of radio frequencies. Yes. Like if we were actually trying to hide our planet from being discovered, we've already failed because from the very first broadcast, those, I mean, we've talked about it before, those broadcasts, once they're through the atmosphere and into space, it's not like they disappear. The wavelengths shift, of course, over time and they may degrade to a point where they couldn't be deciphered and put back together as the original radio broadcast. But there's a bubble of our transmissions continually growing around our planet day by day. Right. We're basically in the night screaming, we're here. It's true. And, you know, the end of this article is talking about any intelligent extraterrestrial life will have gone light years beyond the intelligence of man. What we are more likely to hear will be so far beyond our own level that it might not be biological anymore, but some artificial form of life, he said. Don't expect a blobby, squishy alien to be on the end of the line. And I feel like that's very trifling. I feel like that's very sort of like a natural progression, right? Where, I mean, we've talked about AI. We've talked about AI. We've talked about Lambda, the Google AI. I forgot to mention that was its name lambda oh that the whistleblower said that it gained sentience and hired its own lawyer lawyer. i was telling my mom about that and she was like who's paying the lawyer (laughs) i was like it got a job pro bono baby but then also chat gpt chat gpt's scary level of intelligence i feel like that's the next natural jump for intelligence because like we still don't understand what is consciousness right so who's to say a highly advanced artificial intelligence could not actually develop a consciousness because we can't say from where consciousness comes and that's all it would take Well, life will find a way. Life will find a way. In the words of Cormac McCarthy. And Daddy Jeff Goldblum. I don't think it was Cormac Cormac McCarthy. In the words of Ken Wilber. He said that on the road. I'm getting my books mixed up. Well. We get it, Allie. You read books. (laughs) Not nearly as much as Brett. But it's easy when you're a machine. When you're a literal machine. I don't read them. I download them. I scan them. There's a difference. I index them. Well, speaking of books, we are on chapter 21. It's a whole new part, baby. We're in part three of the three body problem. And chapter 21 is titled Rebels of Earth. Start two, one, boost mission and liftoff of the space center. 
You are listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast reviewing our way through the three-body problem and discussing its real-life parallels. I'm Allie. I'm Brett. And on this week's episode, Wang attends his second three-body meetup. This time, it's packed with members, and the girls are fighting. An old friend makes an appearance, and another one bites the dust. Stay tuned. Energy unit reporting. All systems go. Cutting unit reporting. All systems go. Amplifier unit reporting. All systems go. Interference monitor unit reporting. With an acceptable range. Begin transmission. Okay, it's officially part three. So much has happened already that's been great, undeniably. But I, in my opinion, the best of this book is coming up in this last part. And Brett knows because he's an AI who's read every book on the planet. We're we're very quickly pulling up on where I left off when we started this. You're podcast. about to be in new territory. I I'm know. excited for that. I'm for really you. excited. Chapter twenty one, Rebels of Earth. Do you remember last week? So Wang was in the game. He saw the final scene. The Trisolarans are heading out to the stars to search for this new home, and right. he logs off and he gets this email that basically says like You've dedicated yourself to this game and this cause for this long. Now because you've played through the final scene we expect you to join this meeting of the earth trisolaris organization to prove your loyalty basically yeah i mean the way it got really urgent all of a sudden of like uh actually your servers are about to be shut down and we're gonna skip ahead to the final scene um if you are loyal to us you will show up tomorrow and literally just loyalty tests to come to meetings it's like very culty but so wang is expected now to join this meeting of the earth trisolaris organization or the ETO. ETO. Wang obviously doesn't want to miss out on any intel because, I mean, to this point, he's learned so much and also he's like one of the few people that's gotten a peek this far behind the curtain. So now that he knows... Oh, he's in way too deep. Allegedly, that the Trisolarans are real. The game really feels more like a data briefing to him than it does just this like fun, escapist, sort of like VR thing that people do. So Wang's like, I really need to go to this meeting. So he gathers his things, hops in his car, and heads to the meeting of the Earth Trisolaris organization. This would be the equivalent of like, you're playing Fortnite and suddenly like, they're like, son, you've achieved, you know, 10,000 kills, you've won gold multiple times, like ISIS will now be recruiting you. I mean, basically, like, <laughs> like you're familiar with literally like 15 different weapons. Yeah, it feels automatic weapons. very like that. Would you go? If it were ISIS? No. That's good. It was a test. I'm glad. I, loyalty God test. I'm glad I passed. America. Go on. When Wang arrives, off the bat, this meeting is a completely different scenario than the meeting he went to at the coffee shop. Okay. So first of all, like at the meeting at the coffee shop, there were seven people plus Pan Han. Really tiny, small group. He shows up here. There's a ton more people mm. for one. The meeting is also held in a place that's not at all all conspicuous like before it was off the beaten path the coffee shop was kind of small but like this meeting is being held in the cafeteria of an abandoned chemical plant that's inconspicuous it's the perfect place to have a meeting and like no basically not have to worry about anybody attending being seen or anybody eavesdropping or like really anybody else outside to know that something's going on there in the first place very interesting in total about 300 people come to this meeting and when wang walks in he's looking around meeting eyes with everybody there and he recognizes several celebrities from various fields like really notable scientists accomplished authors well-known politicians high-powered bankers I mean, you name it. And like this room is chock full. It is like society's elite in this place. I love that. It's a gala. In the middle of the room, something catches Wang's eye. Dead center. Everybody's like gathered around, clicked up, talking. But dead center in all of them is this massive sculpture that's made out of metal with these three silver spheres that are hovering directly over the base. Almost Mm -hmm. like maybe like magnets or something. Mm -hmm. But immediately Wang understands what he's seeing. And like there in the room is a physical representation of the Trisolaran three body system. Makes sense. 
it seems like Wang is the only one who's sort of paying as much attention to this sculpture as he is because everybody else is just sort of either talking to or their eyes are glued on the conversation that Pan Han is having. Mm. He's standing on top of this broken table in another part of the cafeteria and he's just sort of like, I, I kind of imagined it like a like an old-fashioned like a tent revival kind of meeting. Like he's really speaking passionately about something. and tent? he's got a cra- Yeah, do you know what those are? Tent revivals? No. Maybe just, just a southern thing. Oh. But is it like the beginning of Elvis? Yeah, sort of. Like a really big church meeting, but, but it's like tent? not in a church building. It travels around. Yes. Like that. That's kind of like what I was imagining. Okay, but it's an abandoned chemical. But it's an abandoned chemical <laughs> plant <laughs> cafeteria. Out of Love the crowd, that. this man shouts up to Pan and he's like, did you murder comrade Shen Yufei? Oh, <gasps> I have chills. Everything kind of goes stone cold silent. Pan answers, yes. Quite frankly, I did. He says, because the Adventists have traitors in their ranks. This is the only reason we face this crisis that we face today. And then the man from the crowd asks again, well, okay, fine. Who gave you the right to kill her? And then Pan answers, I was motivated by a duty to this organization, of course. Duty, this guy in the crowd says. He's like, you're motivated by malice. What do you mean duty? And he's like, you know what? Tell me something. What has the environment branch done under your leadership? Quickly. Like, go on. Tell me any one Uh, thing that you've done. uh, uh, We, uh, we banned straws. (laughs) You're supposed to create and exploit environmental problems to make the general population absolutely hate science and scientists. Mm. But the only thing that you've done successfully is use your Lord's technology to gain wealth and fame for yourself. Mm. Pon answers, do you really think I did that for myself? Humanity is literally a flaming dumpster fire. Why the fuck would I care what any of them think? Tell me something. If I'm not famous, how do you propose I direct the collective way of thinking of the population? Hmm? Touche, famous person. I should be famous. I kind of like that level of delusion, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what else is they supposed to do? Keep a low profile. Be boring. Be <laughs> Let the numpties guide themselves. Not interested. This guy in the crowd goes on to say, like, I really shouldn't have to explain this to you, Pon. Any amateur environmentalist would be better than you because with them, at least we could manipulate their actions. Do I really have to spell it out for you? You're supposed to create and exploit environmental disasters, spilling poison in a reservoir, leaking toxic waste from chemical plants, but you haven't done anything like this, have you? And Pon's like, I hear what you're saying. and We've actually devised untold numbers of plans just like what you've described to me but this isn't on me the commander has vetoed every single one of them plus our follow-through on these plans would have just drawn unwanted attention to us Mm. but the man in the crowd's not having it he's like uh bro you just killed shin yufei you don't think that draws attention to us yeah. you saw the amount of cops that were at her house right pon's addressing the crowd at this point and he's like comrades i want you to all listen up sooner or later it's going to become impossible to avoid you all know that the governments of the world are prepping for all-out war in europe and america the organization is already being persecuted by the time that happens here the redemptionists will undoubtedly ally with the government and strengthen themselves and we're done for damn so already we've heard about redemptionists yeah and Adventists. Right. Like, if you're confused, don't worry. We don't know what these are. That's all we've heard so far. But I'm like, this sounds like two factions of warring cults or something. Right. Like, all we know is, like, Wang is at this meeting. Everyone's fighting. There seems to be two factions within this cult. And nobody's happy. And no one's happy. The man in the crowd says to Pan, he's like, it's not within your authority. Like, just fully not having it. And also, I was thinking, like, this is really brave to talk to a man who literally just in cold blood made a Jackson Pollock painting out of Shen Yufei. Yeah. You know, Pan's like, I want you to listen to me and listen to me well. The commander will, of course, decide what to do and what actions that we take. But I want to remind all of you, the commander is an Adventist just like all of us. The man is like fed up with Pan Han. If the commander were really an Adventist, the redemptionist would have been purged a long time ago. Like, why haven't we been going after them? What have we been doing just spinning our wheels, hiding in the shadows, basically? Mm-hmm. Pan's like, okay, well, peon, maybe the commander knows something that you don't. Have you ever thought about that? (laughs) Maybe it's why we're all here today. Smart guy. By this point, the crowd's kind of losing attention in this conversation because it's not really going anywhere. It's just, it's like masturbatory between the two of them. Just like bickering, yelling about, I have opinions. Right. And the crowd has shifted their focus to a scientist who's just jumped up onto another table to speak. And this guy is like... 
famous, famous. Like everybody in China knows who this guy is. Okay. He won the Turing Award. Okay. So like very well known and also by virtue of winning the award, very well respected within his field. The scientist speaks and he's like, talk is cheap and the time for talking is over. Comrades, what do we do next? Raising his fist up into the air, like really getting everybody like ramped up. The crowd shouts out, start a global rebellion. Global rebellion! It feels like January 6th, but like say, in a chemical or it plant feels or like something. Red Yard. The scientist is like, well, if we start a global rebellion, that's asking for all of us to be killed off, don't you think? And someone from the crowd shouts out, long live the spirit of Trisolaris! And everybody else shouts and is cheering. And then when it kind of dies down, somebody else shouts, we will grow like the weeds that come back after a wildfire. Nothing will stop us. Like these people are like, whatever is in the Kool-Aid, they are like chugging. They are all hyped up on Mountain Dew. You know what I mean? Yeah, like glug glug, baby. So Pan Han, listening now to all of this, realizing he's lost his audience, he's kind of mulling over what they're saying. And he's kind of like, you know... Like, I mean, a rebellion would basically announce our presence to the world. Like, that's the best press release. It's not really a bad idea if we're actually ready with a plan of what to do next. And if we're ready, I'm sure many people would support us. But we have to be ready. We can't just, like, show up, break a bunch of shit, and then, like, have no plan for what comes after. Right, okay. Wild applause breaks out from the group. And a voice from the crowd screams out, The commander is here! I'm just imagining, like, you know, like... The president's first appearance to Congress for like the State of the Union or something. This sea of people, like hundreds deep, parts to form a pathway through the middle for the approaching commander. I'm picturing like also like a cane. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're stomping their foot very like gravity. 300 or like, you know something. Yeah. The commander approaches the group and walking towards the center, surrounded by a group of young bodyguards, hot. Very hot. The commander of the ETO rebels walks into the crowd and Wang's eyes cannot believe what he's seeing because standing before him and now in the center of the Earth Trisolaris organization is Commander Ye Wenji. In the middle of this crowd, Commander Ye raises her bony fist and in a strong voice that honestly kind of startled and confused Wang because he's like, wait, I didn't... Isn't she like a sweet old lady? I didn't know she was like... She was just giving me ginseng soup. Like, what's happening? She raises her fist and Ye is like, eliminate human tyranny! Every time Ye says something, the crowd answers back in sort of like a call and repeat, sort of like how when you're at mass, mm. there's specific things that the priest says. She's like, give me, and, does the priest go, give me a J, J, give me an E, give me an S, give me a U. Enough of that. At this point. That's what church is like, right? I mean, more I don't know, you've been. But in Latin. At this point to Wang, it feels like they're in mass because there's this call and repeat going on. And he realizes like, you know, it's not like they're looking at printouts or pamphlets or anything. Like this has obviously been rehearsed many, many times. Like they probably had countless meetings just like this one before he ever got the invite. Right. Clearly this is a group of like old school members. And that first meetup was just maybe the the new initiates. Right. Like initiates. Exactly. The outer order. To Ye's eliminate human tyranny. The crowd chants the world belongs to Trisolaris. Sick. And then it's just back and forth and the energy kind of calms down after a while and Ye addresses the group taking her gaze around the hundreds of people who've gathered around her making sure to make eye contact with each one of them. What a good speaker. When Ye speaks, she says, hello, comrades, in a way that Wang does recognize. Oh. Because when she was holding her fist up and leading this chant of all the people, Wang is thinking to himself of the Ye Wenji that he met in the apartment and had lunch with. And was not like that. Kikied about her late daughter, like, was very not like that. She was very timid and calm and mild and, like, caregiving. Right. Maternal. And he didn't know, honestly, that she had this kind of deep burning ferocity locked away inside of her. For revolution. And she continues addressing the crowd and she's like, you know, I haven't really felt well lately. Because of that, I haven't gotten much time to spend with all of you. But now I'm here because the situation has turned urgent. I know everybody has a huge weight on their shoulders, so I thought it was important to come and see you all tonight. Someone in the crowd calls out to Ye, like obviously concerned for her well-being, and they're like, please take care of yourself. We love you, Ye. She answered them by addressing the crowd and saying, I know we have a lot of important matters to attend to, but before we get started, we have to take care of one small detail. And she turns and looks through the crowd at this one specific spot and she says, Han Han. 
She said his name, but she didn't break her gaze. Pawn answers Ye from the crowd. He's like, I'm here, Commander. I'm here. I'm here. Like, just trying to be teacher's pet, I guess. And he emerges from this massive crowd that he obviously tried to lose himself in. And I'm like, he knows he's in trouble. He knows he fucked up and he's about to get, like, his wrist slapped Ugh, or something. the worst feeling when you, like, your teacher, like, calls you up and, like, you know you're, you fucked Just up. being disciplined, period, sucks. Like, especially in front of 300 people. Yeah. And also the most powerful people in society. Embarrassing gross pawn walks forward towards Ye and like appears calm to everybody around him inside he's literally a bundle of nerves because he actually knows that he's in trouble she said his name but she didn't call him comrade well it's like when your mom or dad or whatever calls you by your full name it's very that like alexandra well, i also, know i'm in trouble for Ye wenji to be addressing the group as comrades in the collective and for her to just call pan han up in front of everybody by his name she's omitted him from that so i'm like uh what is Ye wenji about to do to pan han So are you going to tell me, like, what is Ye Wenji about to do to Pan Han? I'm going to tell you. I also want to tell you, today, our dear friend, a number one fan, delivered both Brett and I energy drinks. And I literally feel like Marilyn Monroe. Are you like, spinning out? You know how, like, they were, like, injecting shit into her literal neck to yeah, keep her going. To keep her propped up on the set. It's like, I would have never gotten a Red Bull today, but, you know, my manager brought me one, and now I'm chugging it. We're I'm so just, grateful. I'm, I'm so grateful. So, Ye Wenji has just called Pan Han by his name. Yeah. Without even looking at him. Boo Boo the Fool. And she, who's Boo Boo the Fool? Pan Han. Yeah. And she's, <laughs> and she's talking to him like he's a naughty, naughty boy that's, like, gotten into the cookie jar, which I really like that. She's like, Pan Han, you committed a severe violation of the organization's rules. There's something really scary about that. Right? Like, instead of being, like, stern and angry, being, like, a little condescending. I'd almost rather you yell pedantic. at me. Yeah. Like, silly Pan Han. You violated the rules. Pan is, like, totally thrown off by this as anyone would be right because it's like you're trying to maintain your like adult composure composure yeah. your relationship to this person as like you know yes they are your superior but also like your equal hopefully yeah. in some way that your mutual respect and also your like perceived position from everybody else in the group because they all looked upon han as in their own way sort of a superior to all of them but she's speaking to him like a child Yikes. and actually there's a really cool book called the games we play Mm. Or the games people play. And it talks about how social interaction can be boiled down to three archetypes. Okay. So basically, even though our societal, and I'm totally paraphrasing, I haven't read this in like years, but I have a pretty good memory of what it was. Even though like, let's say you and I are adult adults, you know, on the on the plane to see, right? Like we should be interacting with each other as adult and adult. Right. You could talk to me in a way that is parental and triggers my child. Fair. And so on the subtle level, we're interacting as parent-child. Okay. So this is like something that salesmen will do a lot. Like say someone comes and knocks on your door and is trying to sell you a vacuum. And, you know, on the societal level, adult-adult. You know, adult trying to sell another adult a product. But they will employ certain language that triggers your child. So like the salesman might be like, well, you know, this is our latest model, but you probably couldn't afford that yeah and suddenly I can too. yeah i can too uh-huh. triggering that childlike need to show your parent that like you can afford something so it's all about how all human interaction is operating on two levels mm-hmm. and it is the clash between the societal and like the subtle that is responsible for like things going wrong and it's all like distribution of power ultimately yes. yeah yes it's a very much like a for laws of power or whatever mm-hmm. anyways this is giving that yeah you know so pan is thrown off and he's trying to stay like composed and he's like uh, c- c- commander the organization is facing a crisis yeah it- it's a matter of life or death i mean if we don't take decisive measures and purge the enemies from inside the organization we will lose everything i mean true good argument yay when finally looks at pan and she looks at him with a disarming affectionate 
gaze. I don't trust Again. it. Again. I don't trust it. So brilliant. So manipulative. She looks at him with affection. She goes, sweetie, the ultimate goal of the ETO is to lose everything. Oh. Everything that belongs to the human race, including us. And he goes, then you are an Adventist. Say it. Declare it to be so, because if you are, we should all hear it. And we're still like, okay, well, what is the difference between the Adventists yeah, and like, the Redemption? What do they stand for? The crowd remains dead quiet because probably no one has ever spoken back to Ye Wenji, the commander yeah. of the ETO. Can you imagine? Ye speaks very slowly, enunciating like Pan is a child who has trouble understanding. She goes, Such a power play. That is not for you to decide. Oh, shit. You have violated the code of conduct. If you want to make an appeal, now is the time. Otherwise, you will face the consequences. Like, what about this do you not understand? And, Terrifying. And Pan is like, okay, this is my opportunity to make an appeal. So yeah. he's like, okay, well, this is his opportunity basically to make his defense. Mm -hmm. He goes, I'm meant to kill Wei Chang, the math prodigy, oh. not Shen Yufei. The decision was made by Comrade Evans and ratified by the committee unanimously. If Wei Chang were to succeed in making a mathematical model of the three-body problem with a complete solution, our Lord would not come. The great mission of Trisolaris on Earth would be ruined. Mm. I only shot Shen Yufei because she shot me first. It was self-defense. Oh. Good argument. Good defense. But is it self-defense if you're in her home? Well, he went to go kill Wei Chang. So yeah, so that's not self-defense. I mean, and according to him, Wei Cheng shot him for, or shot at him first. But get this. Yay nods. She goes, okay, let us believe you. This is, after all, not an important issue. Drag him. I hope we can continue to trust you. Now, please repeat the request that you just made of me before. Oh. It's like, oh my god, this is the scariest teacher in the entire school. Yeah. Pan is stunned. He's nervous. And now he has to repeat what he just asked the commander to do. Oh, he said, god. if you don't remember, he said, uh, I asked that you declare yourself to be an Adventist. The action plan of the Adventists is also reflective of your values. Mm -hmm. And Ye says, and, and what is that again? So finally, here we go. Pan says, the Adventists believe that human society cannot solve its own problems anymore and cannot restrain the madness of the world that we live in and that we need outside intervention from our Lord in order to transform us and create a new perfect human civilization. Whoa. And Ye is like, okay, are the Adventists loyal believers in this plan? And Pan says, yes, of course. And a man shouts, it's true. This man who, sh who speaks up, his name is Raphael. And we learn that he's from Israel and he tells a story from about three years ago okay. how his 14-year-old son died in an accident. And Raphael decided to donate his son's kidney to a Palestinian girl who was suffering from kidney failure as a mm. symbol of hope that the two factions of people, you know, the, the Israelis and the Palestinians, could live together in peace. And he says, you know, myself and many other Israelis and Palestinians strove toward the same goal alongside me, but all of it was useless. Mm. We all just remain trapped in the cycles of vengeance. And I was thinking of Bruce Rout, obviously, and mm -hmm. the algorithms that seem to run the world that are bigger than any individual action. And Raphael says, eventually, I lost hope in the human race and I joined the ETO. Mm. I donated so much money to the organization, Galt, yeah. <laughs> that I went from a pacifist to an extremist and I became a core member of the Adventists. The Adventists have their own secret agenda. It's not simply to welcome outside intervention for the transformation of the human race. Okay. But... It is to bring our Lord into this world for the punishment of humankind. Oh, damn. For its unforgivable crimes against the earth to destroy all of humankind. Oh. Someone shouts, it's an open secret. Everybody knows this. Everyone knows this is what the Adventists think. Pan is like, but it didn't evolve into that. It's been the goal of the Adventists from the beginning. It's the lifelong dream of comrade Mike Evans, the mastermind behind the Adventists. He lied to everyone and fooled all of you, including the commander. He's been working toward this from the start. He turned the Adventists into extremist environmentalists and madmen who hate the human race. Oh. Ye is like, well, I didn't know this of Evans until much later. And we have tried to patch up our differences, Evans and I, to keep the EGO whole. But some other acts of the Adventists lately have made this nearly impossible. Hmm. Pan is like, commander, the Adventists are the core of ETO. Without us, there is no Earth Trisolaris movement. 
Damn. So this is where I'm like, okay, so Penn is an Adventist. Yeah. So he believes what everyone else believes and then some. It seems that the redemptionists also want to welcome the Lord to the earth to transform the human race. But redemptionists want redemption Mm -hmm. for the human race. And the Adventists want destruction. Yeah. And just punishment, divine punishment for the unforgivable crimes against the earth. Which do you think you would be? Uh, I would always start with a redemptionist attitude. Like, let's see if we can shake this thing up let's see if we can be redeemed yeah what about you it's hard to say actually i mean like you know what you're gonna get with an adventist because i mean at the end of the day i'm obviously all about self-preservation and preservation of our species i mean it's like it's it's why i don't believe it's either or we either go to mars or we like transition earth to being an actual eco-conscious green planet it has to be both right to maximize our chances of survival as a species so i don't i don't know it's hard to say i mean i want to say that i think that humanity can be saved because i still believe that there's inherent good in anybody who tries to put good out into the world but then at the same time the systems in place in the world that are above all of the people trying to put good out into the world a lot of those systems are largely corrupt so it's like i don't know i don't actually know if you know maybe if we got rid of all those systems and completely rewrote how we do business do politics do right life and society and like do all of that sure i'm dreaming of utopia that doesn't exist but it'll be interesting to find out more about what the adventist vision is yeah it's like i have a feeling they think you know humanity should be destroyed but maybe not them (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. but they want to be more like the engineers of the new future but like have to wipe the slate clean first which that's even scarier very parallel to the communist revolution in china yeah right remember it was like there's like one of mao's big slogans was like you must destroy to create Mm -hmm. or whatever but i mean that is true absolutely i mean it's biological we talked about it last week the only reason trisolaris wound up with the moon is because literally the planet got ripped to shreds first right same with our moon yeah at any rate so pan is like commander the adventists you can't get rid of the adventists that are the core of eto i mean without us there is no eto you'd lose way too many members and yay is like but there is no excuse for trying to monopolize all communications between the lord and the organization is there and pan is like well we we built the second red coast base of course we should operate it yay is like the adventists took advantage of the fact that they constructed the second red coast base and then they committed unforgivable betrayal of the organization you intercepted messages from our lord to the organization and passed them only to a small portion of people and even those were distorted gag you sent a large amount of information out to the lord without anyone in the organization's approval dead silence Pan, you a danger girl. Yeah. Pan is like, it's the moment where he's basically kind of like, so this is it. We're coming to blows. Ye says, the Adventists have betrayed the ETO. That is evident. Shen Yufei was a witness. And though she was part of the Adventists, in her heart, she remained a redemptionist. You discovered this recently and she knew too much. When Evan sent you, he wanted you to kill two people. Not one. Pan looks around and assesses the situation. Yay points out the obvious. She says, you can see here that uh, most everyone here are comrades of the redemptionist movement. I trust that very few Adventists who are here will stand on the side of Pan Han. Mm -hmm. But men like Evans and you can no longer be saved. To protect ETO, we must resolve the problem of the Adventists. How do you solve a problem like Pan Han? Yeah. (laughs) Well, a bodyguard, one of the young bodyguards surrounding, the young sexy bodyguards (laughs) surrounding Ye Wenji, smiles and walks casually toward Pan Han. And Pan's face changes a little bit and he reaches into his lapel to grab, you know, you know what? I mean, when someone reaches into their lapel, they're not grabbing a bouquet of flowers. And before he can take his hand out, the girl quickly wraps an arm around Pan Han's neck, places the other atop his head, twists his head at 180 degrees with such ease, and the crack of his cervical vertebrae is heard throughout the whole cafeteria. Oh my god. The woman lets go, and Pan falls to the ground. The gun that he was about to pull out of his lapel, and the gun that he used to kill Shen Yufei, slides under the table. His body spasms. His eyes are open. His tongue is out, but his head no longer moves. It's as if it was never even attached to his body. Several men come to drag him away, blood oozing from his mouth, leaving a long trail. And then Ye Wenji says, Ah, Wei! 
doing? You're here too. How have you been? Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. She smiles. Everyone, this is Professor Wang, a member of the Chinese Academy of Sciences and, and a good friend. He researches nanomaterials. This is the first technology our Lord wishes to extinguish from the earth. No one looks at Wang. And Wang himself almost faints. He literally has to hold on to a man next to him. I mean, yeah, you just showed up and you're already like instant celebrity. He's like, gulp. And the man he's like holding on to like brushes him off. He's like, dude, no. What are you doing? I don't know you. Ye Wenji says, Wang, since you're here, why don't I tell you the rest of the story that we never finished last time? Oh. All of the comrades can listen to. I mean, it's a fine time to review the history of our organization, you know, and reestablish our mission. So it's basically like fireside chat with Ye Wenji is about yeah. to begin. And Wang is like, wait, but I thought you finished that story. Didn't you get to the end of that story? Yeah. They closed the base. Yeah. And Ye approaches the model of the three bodies that are swirling in the mm -hmm. middle she's absorbed by these spheres and sunlight falls through the window and onto the model and reflects red light into Ye Wenji's eyes and she whispers no I've only just begun and that is no. the end that's terrifying chapter 21 I mean Rebels can you imagine like you've made this friend with somebody who's like so nice so caring so like da 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 whatever but then you Grandma. realize they're like the strong arm leader of like a cult with multiple factions that are like maybe at war with each other it's giving matriarch it's giving very queen bee energy i love it feminists my god also yeah. you know not that i'm i'm never like cheering on the people who are perpetuating violence but there is a special place in my heart for characters and stories that like don't actually have to get their own hands dirty because the people around them are so loyal you know that they've earned that loyalty like yeah wenji didn't have to say go snap the man's neck the guard just knew this is what our leader wants and she did it fucking boss power also the baby. fact that she's like surrounded by these like young female hottie yeah yeah queen like models yes exactly Work. that's what i'm picturing I, I really can't wait to see the interpretation on tv because yeah. it could be so aesthetically just like decisive like mm -hmm. there could be a real style to it rather than just sort of like point blank like you're just getting sort of like very normy minority report yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like i don't want it to be like just a modern day minority report. yeah like it's almost better i think if it's going to be portrayed like like very aesthetically pleasing, playing into the fact that it is like fantasy sci-fi. Exactly. It'll be really interesting. It's also so different from the world in which Game of Thrones existed. Oh, yeah. Because I'm just thinking about, you know, same showrunners. Yeah. But totally different show, obviously. It'll be very interesting. Mm -hmm. The choices they make. Like, like I think one way you can always sort of see a very obvious choice mm -hmm. is like how they show technology. Yeah. Or how they show text message communication or phone because that can take you out of something so fast so fast if it looks like fucking emily in paris yeah i'm tapping out i don't even know what that looks like but i know enough that i'm not watching it's just like very yeah like two-dimensional just almost. imagine a pinterest board and right. it's that like nothing is really overthought no you could use with a little more overthought mm -hmm. anyways i don't think that's going to be a problem i don't think so either for i the think three body i problem. think it's going to be sickening and I mean, that's coming to Netflix this spring. So, I mean, I guess we'll see. We'll see. Well, next week, we're diving back into Ye Wenji's story and we're getting the real, Ooh. what really happened at Red Coast. So do you think she told him an all-out lie? Or do you think she just stopped short of telling the real unredacted truth to Wang? Well, we know that one day she must have contacted somebody. Yeah. So I think probably the first half of her story was mm -hmm. true, but that second half, not a lick of truth in it. Ooh. I look forward to reading chapter 22. Yeah, same. Well, in the meantime, sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash RadarPeak. We're also over on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Tell at us your UFO pod. sightings. Can you imagine? I hope people send us their UFO sightings. Yeah, we'll share them on a bonus episode. Mm -hmm. All right, well, until then, eliminate human tyranny! The world belongs to Tri-Solaris! Can somebody cue our theme song? We're done. <laughs> You've been listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast. Subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for exclusive content we might not have time for, subscribe to our Patreon. One last thing before you go. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a review and tell your friends about us. Join in on the conversation when you follow us on Twitter at RadarPeakPod. See you there.